and Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, your buddy Blender Ed, Blender HD. You can follow me on Twitter there. And this is the show where we we would normally go over yesterday's slate. We would normally, we would go look through results DB, but apparently that they're having problems getting yesterday's slate into results DB. So that's not, it's not up yet. So we're not going to look at that. Uh, we may talk a little bit about what happened yesterday. I mean, mo- most of the kind of the chalk got there, except for maybe Randall. Uh, and then uh, then we'll talk a little bit about today's slate. We had 11 games and uh, we had a big trade deadline yesterday. The Magic, I don't know who's going to play for the Magic. Uh, I don't know how they're going to do the projections, but I mean, DraftKings priced everyone up. So I don't even know if you're going to play the Magic today on DraftKings. Uh, and, uh, and and take your questions. That's, that's, what, that's what I do here, right? If you've been listening for a long time, a lot of times I'm answering the same questions over and over again. But okay, get some reinforcement. I care about my YouTube people. If you show up on YouTube here live during the show and I answer your questions. So that's that's what you should be doing. If you're listening on the podcast later over on iTunes, you could rate and review it there. Or you're, you're just watching this later on YouTube. Like show up, show up at, show up at 11 o'clock in the morning Eastern. If you have a pressing question, you have a strategy thing, if you want to say something, just show up, right? All you have to do is show up. But make sure you hit those thumbs up buttons, right? That shows that you care. That that makes my, my apple juice cold. It's really cold today. So I don't know why. I think it was towards the back of the refrigerator or something. Does that mean I have a bad refrigerator? Stuff that you put towards the back, towards whatever, it like starts freezing, right? I have like a bottle of water back there that's like an ice cube. So, so it's... So the apple juice has been cupped. It was really cold. But the problem with that, see, the problem with keep with the this turning into ice is that it separates. I don't know. Is that, does that make it bad apple juice? Because what will end up happening is that like the water will freeze before like the apple juice will freeze. So you kind of get like, you kind of get like, like water up here and then the apple juice below it over there. I don't know why I'm describing this to you, but the, the, these, these are the problems that I have. This is, this is what I, when, when, when playing DFS all day. When you're doing these types of things, that's the biggest problem you have, right? Making sure your apple juice does, doesn't freeze and separate because then you, then you open it up and you're like, okay, I don't mind some ice, my apple juice. And then it's more like, oh, this tastes like water. And then it tastes like apple juice. And that's not good, right? So hit that thumbs up button. Give me the thummy thumbs. Subscribe to the channel if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Just a little update for... Uh, the people uh, once baseball starts because baseball starts next Thursday. Okay. Uh, there are slates. There are, there are baseball slates during the day. A lot of times, right? Typically once a week, sometimes twice a week, like on a Wednesday. And then, you know, we have, we have a show for it. So on those days, the pre the, this pregame show will be preemptive, preemptive, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Cause grinders live will be on at like a, like 11, 20, 11, 25 in the morning Eastern, but I'll be on the show. So I'm still going to be here on those days. So like on opening day next Thursday, there won't be a pregame show at 11, but at 1125, it'll be Dean, it'll be Cardi, it'll be me. But to, to preview the, the, you know, the opening opening day slate, the 1 p.m. slate. And then there's still crunch time after that for, for, for those slates. For premium members, I think it's free on opening day. Sometimes they're free or whatever. But I just want to let you know that, if, if you show up at 11 o'clock on those days and I go, uh, wh- where, where's the video? Where, where do I show up? Where you don't, you don't see my face. You don't see my, you know, the, I don't know why they use the one where I'm just putting my, I don't know, holding my head up or whatever. If you don't see that, I'll be, I'll be on the grinders live image. If you look at that, that thumbnail, I'll be, I'll be there. I'll be doing this. I'll be doing that or whatever. I had to come in the office, the last Super Bowl party, come in the office. They just, I mean, guys stand in front of here. We have to take new pictures or whatever. So I just did some funny stuff. Ding, ding, ding. And apparently they apparently they didn't take the good ones, right? I had ones where I was just standing like normal. I was just like, here I am. There you go, right? But no, no, that, that I, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm, fla- I'm flashing gang signs or something. They want to use those for the thumbnails. I don't know why. I have no idea why. But that that's where I'll be. So, uh, so good morning, folks. I see you all in the chat. Max Coach, Apocalypse Card Fan, Daniel Hutchins, DJ Cicero, John Johnson, Unicorn Love. Unicorn Love? What is a unicorn love? 
I don't even want to look at that, what the, the avatar there for that is. Unicorn Love? Okay. Benjamin St. Germain, Joe Adamo, Tony P. I, Lucas Yanetsko. I see that all there. Uh, Lucas asks, if you buy the bat, do you still need an RG membership to use lineup HQ? Uh, you have to ask Cardi that. I think, I think you don't need to. I think if you, if, you, if you buy the bat, you can use lineup HQ. You can't any, I think you, you even get the ownership projections. I believe. Don't, I have no idea. I'm not, uh, don't take my word for it or whatever, but I believe so. Me, I get everything. So I don't, I don't know what people could see, right? I could, I'm practically an administrator on the site. So I could see everything. I could change things, right? I could, I could go to the schedule and say, you know, Dean is stupid and just put his, that, that words there. I could do that. I'm not going to do that, but I could. So I'm not sure, but I believe so. I believe it, it, you don't have to be a Roto Grinders premium member to use lineup HQ if you purchase the bat, which is which is like three hundred bucks as it is. So I don't I don't believe so. I, I I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure you could lose use lineup HQ in 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 it in full with the bat. I'm not sure about the ownership projections. I I believe you get those two, but outside of that you don't get anything else, right? Okay, because then what's the point, right? Oh, here's the projections, but then you have to like export them and use them in whatever program you want to use them in Excel or some other optimizer. So yeah, it would make sense that you can still get to use lineup HQ. We're getting news that Terrence Ross is unlikely to play Friday. Who's going to play for the Magic today? I mean, they don't have Wendell Carter and Porter there. They don't got those guys there yet. Who's playing? Gary Harris. The, the, the Magic is going to be laughable. Dwayne Bacon, is he going to be the high scorer today? Who knows? Who's playing for the Magic today? Benjamin St. Germain, how much do you take into consideration when picking players that are coming off back-to-back nights of playing? I don't care. I, I don't believe I don't believe it even shows that I'm not even sure if 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 it's predictive even even to care. I'm not sure. If it was predictive, it would already be in the projections. Or or the projections team, which is one of the best in the industry, Meansy and Noto, those guys, Tuttle, everyone there, Allen. They'll adjust the minutes. So maybe on a back-to-back, someone that like normally would play 36, they bump down to 34 or something. Maybe, maybe they do something like that. I don't take anything else into account. Joe Adamo asks if I hate Dwight Howard. No, I don't, Dwight. I, I don't hate Dwight Howard. He got ejected yesterday, but he still outscored James Wiseman, who was the other cheap center that people played. So, I mean, he's still out, he still outscored Wiseman. So what I'm I'm fine. Yeah, 12 points, sure, it's not that optimal. I probably should have played Zubach. Zubach, Zubots. How do you pronounce that guy's name? But no, it's it, as long as he, he outscored Wiseman, because that would have been the other choice. So it's like, once Howard got ejected, I'm like, okay, these Wiseman people are going to beat the hell out of me. And then Wiseman didn't do anything. I think Wiseman scored like one less point than Dwight Howard, and Dwight Howard only played a quarter. So no, I have, I have no problem with Dwight Howard. I mean, for cash games. Right, obviously in GPP you're dead, pretty much. Let's go through. Feel free to ask your questions. It's Casual Friday, and I don't got results DB. So like, what else? What else we can do? We have eleven game slate, and who knows who's playing? Right, it's one of the. It's uh, Cardin's questionable, Butler's questionable. Who knows who's going to be playing for? Who's what the rotation for some of these teams with that that traded players? Colin Sexton's questionable. Terrence Ross is unlikely to play. Are we playing Magic today? Lonzo Ball's questionable. Draymond Green is questionable. We, we got news, and we got 22 teams on the slate. Nurkic is back. He's probable. Is that going to matter? Is that going to cut into Cantor's time? I guess. Probably. It's 11 games. It's 22 teams. Who knows what happens by 530? That's why, that's, why, that's why we talk about strategy. It's a nice casual Friday, so we'll casually talk about stuff. If I happen to, to explain things in terms of today's slate, then that's the way it happens. Well, let's see. Lee Palm, I'm not even sure what your question means about multiplying hitter projections by a constant four or five, for example. I don't, I don't, I don't understand that. Why would you do that? Explain it to me. I mean, give me some follow-up. I don't, what would be the purpose of that? I mean, maybe there is, I, I, maybe I'm just not understanding what your question means. Anthony Rodriguez says, just want to say thanks. Last night was my first time finally listening. Finally, finally listening. 
and making different lineups for every entry versus jamming in the same lineup at every contest and had my first good ROI in a while. Okay, that's good. Okay, nice to hear, Anthony. Right? But finally, like for first time, finally, that it makes it sound like like you've, you've been watching or listening for a long time. And then you finally, 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 I'm going to finally, I'm actually going to listen to what I'm going to finally listen to what Jordan's saying. And then it works. And it's like, oh, why, why didn't they listen a long time ago? Or that could have just meant, meant like this is the first time. I, I didn't know about you until yesterday. Right? It's my first time listening. Right? Okay. That could be that also. I'm taking it more in the fact that you've been listening for months. And then finally, finally, you said, I'm fed up with losing. I'm actually going to, I'm actually going to take the advice of this guy at 11 o'clock in the morning telling you what to do. And oh, it works. Oh, oh, really? Rob B, are we sick of NBA yet? Yes. We've been sick of NBA for a long time, right? Bring on MLB. We got six days. Looks like all those Magic players aren't going to be playing today. Wendell Carter, Otto Porter, Gary Harris, RJ Hampton. What a, what a crew there. They won't make their Magic debut today. Most, most, most of the people traded will not be playing tonight. Takes more than 25. I mean, they got traded like yesterday afternoon. Takes time to, you know, let's get their jerseys. Let's get their everything settled in, travel, and all that type of stuff. They ain't playing. Joe Wheeler says, last night I switched from Howard Barnes to Wiseman Kuzma, who projected similarly, but Kuzma came in at lower, a lot lower ownership. Is that example of EV? Yeah. They project, if they project, if they projected equally, and one combination is lower owned, then that's plus that's plus EV. Uh, if you're playing in GPPs with a progressive payout structure, yes, yes. The the, the ultimate goal is to play play a, a high a, a higher projected lineup at lower ownership. So yes, in a, in a vacuum, that that specific swap right there, take discounting anything else in your lineup, would be the the better the better choice would be Wiseman Kuzma. If Wiseman Kuzma was 0.5%, you know, 0.5 points less projected, but like 30 points lower ownership, then yeah, that, that's what that's what you should be doing in GPP. Unless you already have low ownership in the rest of your lineup and you and half a point matters. Most likely it doesn't. That's when you would you would focus more on projection. This is what this is what I mean by. You know, when people ask me like 2v2 questions, I'm like, I can't give you an answer without the context of the contest and the lineup. Like if you, if you, if you already have, if you have a ton of projection in your lineup and you need leverage, then you should be playing the lower owned pair. If you already have all the leverage in your lineup, then you should be playing, you should be focusing more and jamming in as much projection as you can. So without knowing, like let's say the difference between Howard Barnes and Wiseman, Wiseman Kuzma was four points projected wise so a decent enough gap not less than one four five points and he said well which one do you play well howard barnes would have be projected four points higher i would say in a vacuum play howard barnes without knowing anything about your lineup and you may already have a high high owned lineup as it is so you're and you're playing large field gpps so if wiseman kuzma is half the ownership of howard barnes and you're sacrificing four points in order to get half the ownership. And the other six players, seven players, whatever in your lineup, are the stone cold chalk. Then you should be playing the low. You should be sacrificing the projection. But let's say the rest of your lineup is, you know, one all, you know, two percent on guy here and ten percent on guy there. Well, you, you already have leverage. You shouldn't be sacrificing four more points. You play, play, play the higher projected pair. So it's not, I know a lot of people ask this question as who do you think is going to do better today? But that's not, that's not the right question to ask. We have projections. You have the range of outcomes. What's going to happen tonight? I don't know. I know based on, based on a lineup, based on our current projections as of 440 in the morning, that uh, Bam Adebayo or whatever is going to score somewhere between 29 and 53 within this standard deviation is it going to be 32 or is it going to be 50 i have no idea i'm not i don't care about that all i have to care about is making plus ev decisions so when i look at a a, a 2v2 of howard barnes versus wiseman kuzma i'm not thinking who's going to do better today 
I'm looking at projections and go, if we played this out 10,000 times, how many more points will one combo score over the other on average? And based on the projections, it would say four, let's say. I'm using that as an example. Sometimes Wiseman Kuzma beats out the other combo plenty of times. Then how owned are they going to be? So how much relative value do I gain by having one over the other? The lower the ownership, the more relative value that I gain from them. The points mean more because less people have them, have those points. So if I need that leverage, that's kind of what we use the term leverage for. It's not technically correct, but we use that whole bucket concept as leverage. So if you need leverage, then you should be willing to sacrifice that projection. If you don't need leverage, you shouldn't be. That that's that should that should be what your decision is based on, not on who you think is going to do well tonight. No one knows. Feel free to, to, to get your crystal ball, put your hand on it, go to a psychic or something. Right. I I don't care. That's why I say I don't care about outcomes. I'm not. I, I don't worry about outcomes. Daniel, at what point in your early DFS career did you recognize that you were able to consistently make good GPP lineups? I've been grinding and feel like I make plus EV lineups, but I haven't gotten there yet. If you're playing large field GPPs, you could be making plus EV lineups for a long time without winning. Okay? A long time. Remember, think of large field GPPs, especially large field GPPs, that you're rolling a 500-sided die. Okay, 500 sided die, and you're guessing a number. You're saying uh, 62, and you're rolling it, and it comes out 487. Wrong, you lose. Let's say you're betting a dollar each time, but when you cast correctly, you're not getting paid 500 bucks, you're getting paid $5,000. So you're getting 10 times more than you should be because it's a 500 to 1 chance, but you're getting paid 5,000 to 1. You're still going to be wrong 499 times out of 500, right? On average. But when you're right, it makes up for all those 499 losing times and then some, and then you still get another $4,500 on top of that. So yeah, the EV is is astronomically positive. Because you're going to lose. Look how often you're going to lose. You're going to lose all the time. You're going to lose 99 point whatever, 99.2% of the time, something more than that. 99. of the time. As long as you maintain proper bankroll management, you'll just survive to get the win. If you're building plus plus EV lineups. It took took me probably six months. Took me about six months to become a profitable DFS player. I was about break even the first six months, but I was learning. Just learning. I was playing mostly soccer. But I was studying top players' lineups. Studying, I mean, I was just playing soccer then. So it was just the soccer guys. Then I got into MLB. Then studying good players' lineups from there. Did I make similar decisions that they made? Similar constructions that they made? Some sharp players make different decisions. I mean, it's like, there's a lot of ways that you could go. But I mean, somewhere within the ballpark. If you're playing cash games, it's easy. I mean, there's only so there's only so so many lineup constructions. If you're way off in cash games, you're you're you're, you're wrong. <laughs> Essentially, you're wrong. But it took me took me six months of actively studying. I spent hours, hours. I spent twenty hours a week. I mean, the soccer. A lot of times there was only one or two slates a week. Sometimes a small third one or something like MLS or something during the week. No, I spent, I downloaded CSVs and I, let me take a look at all these lineups. Why did this guy play that guy? Why did this guy, what, what, why do they, why do they, why don't they pay up for defense? Why don't they, why don't they, you know, obviously the scoring system changed in soccer after a while, but I did that in baseball. Oh, why, why do all the sharp players play, you know, oh, they stack five guys from a team on FanDuel or something. It's 4-3-1 or 4-4. You'll notice that right away. In GPP, you go, oh, and you start learning. So yeah, it took, it took, it took me six months to get to, to get to that point. I was break even for about six months. I got a little bump, a little bump up. 
mean, I could, I, I literally could show you. I mean, I'm, I'm transparent. 100% transparent. Hey, I'll show you my rotor tracker. I'll even log on. I gotta log on. It's gonna, it's gonna show that. It's gonna show that. Yeah, the dots. You're not gonna know my password. But I'll, I'll I mean, if I look at my all-time graph, I mean, here you go. So this, we go back to, to my first year plane. That would be October to October, right? Something like this, right? So my first full year playing. So I start on October 15th, 16th, 2015. I made almost 20,000, my first full year of playing. But you take a look at the first couple of months. I mean, like I was playing like nothing. I was playing, you know, small stakes. Then I got on Boxing Day, the day after Christmas, I won a bunch from ISTA. I mean, I, I won you know, two grand or so. And then I gave it back. You see right here. It's like, up, oh, up, oh, back down, back down. Because my deposit was 400 bucks. So like until like this point, like February. So we have October to November, December, January, four months. Now I start, now I'm starting to get the hang of it. Oh, there you go. There's a little, little win right there. A little $1,400 gap right there. And then I'm off of the races. This is primarily soccer. And then here we go. Off to the races. But look, look at that time period. I'm just like, nip, did it, did it, I'm up and down, right? 19, down, 8, 47, 202, 344, 190, 248, then up to up to 1892. Then I ended up back down to 36 bucks, right? Because you, you go, oh, I got it. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to play at that level. I'm going to play the $27 contest every week. Up, oh, I lost all sorts of right now, right? Bring you right back to reality. Then you're off to the races. And you learn. And then you start adding other sports, MLB, NBA, right? Then you move out to here. Then, you know, then you go all the way out. And that period right here looks like nothing. I mean, I mean, that period that I just showed you is, is where this dot is right here, where my mouse is. It, it almost looks like nothing at this point, right? Because I'm up to past, you know, I'm up past $400,000 now. But you got to start somewhere. I didn't just show up out of the blue. I've been doing this for five and a half years. And in the beginning, you're going to learn. You're going to play small stakes. It's not like you, I didn't wake up playing $5,000 a slate. I woke up playing like 50 bucks a slate. And you build it up. It could, this is the story of everyone that plays DFS. Nearly everyone. All the pros, whatever, they started to play dabble. You could do it too. You have to have the discipline. You have to... Tr- you, if you find, if you find like the intellectual challenge of DFS to be fun and finding the edges and studying, going mm, strategizing that type of stuff. If you find that to be fun, you'll you'll do well. If your goal is to I just want to put together a lineup so I could yell at the TV screen, then you're not going to do well. Like I say, I don't even watch the basketball games. To me, that's not the fun part. The fun part is strategizing on how I can beat other people and then beating them and then winning the money, right? The before and after and the slate in and of itself, who cares? I can control that. <coughs> it's entertainment to some extent, but that, to me, that's not the fun part of DFS. The fun part of DFS is an hour before lock, the hour before lock and the hour after the slate's over when it says that how much money I want. That's the fun part. So you have to find those things fun. If you find those things fun, if you like puzzles, if you like games, if you like, you know, doing that type of stuff, and not the do- not necessarily the dopamine rush of, oh, let, let's see, let's see what Giannis is going to do. Oh, yes, like that type of stuff. To me, that 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 that's a hindrance to good DFS play. So Anthony Rodriguez said, yes, exactly. Been listening for a while, but got fed up with losing. So went to rewatch the clips on my channel. Yes. So I have my own channel, my own YouTube channel. You could have youtube.com slash Jordan Cooper. You could subscribe to that channel. The theory of DFS stuff. Let's see. Go through the YouTube chat. It's casual Friday. I'm, I'm it's just, it's all, it's all Q and a, right? All Q and a all the time. Probably. I probably answered these questions before, but whatever. I'll answer them again. 
perfectly fine. Because we get new people. I, I I don't mind. J3 says, you always wreck me in cash, but I keep coming back for more. I'm just, I'm, I'm not even making any decisions, dude. That, that should, if you can't, if you can't beat Roto-Grinders projections, the median optimal lineup, then just, that's what you should be doing. Go subscribe to Roto-Grinders. Click on the link in the description. Get $10 off your first month. Now that we got MLB coming up, you get the combo premium. You get all the sports, PGA, MMA, as well as MLB, NBA. And if for, let's say, let's say you're like, well, I'm going to play NBA and MLB. And then once NBA, the regular season is done in May, I'm just going to be playing MLB. So it's like, do I want to pay for the combo premium? We'll pay for the combo premium for two months. And then in June, go back down and just pay for MLB. You can, you can do that. I believe. I hope I'm saying you can. I hope you can. I would think you can if you play monthly. So go do that. And then when football comes back, then go back up to premium, right? Go back up to the combo for September because you have baseball, but then NBA comes back in October. So you could do stuff like that if you want. Let's see. Drewer 27, does RG projections take into account the loss of major players like Vucevic and Fournier overall? Does the projection mesh with the team totals over it? Yes. Team team totals and the spreads are, are useful they're in the projections already. But yes, the sample size of, of the Magic without these players, or yeah, obviously there's going to be nothing there. But I, you'd have to think, if you put five players on the court and you say it's Michael Carter-Williams and Gary Clark and Dwayne Bacon, that you know, their efficiency is not going to be very good, right? Right, it's not going to be the same magic, but of course the total is probably lower also. Right, the total is one hundred four. Their team total is one hundred four, which is probably one of the lowest on the slates. So that's going to be reflective in the projections. But of course, all these other guys are getting minutes now. Maybe Chuma Okeke or something like that gets. Who's going to play center today? Who knows? Ken Birch, Mo Bamba. Yeah, he's still there, right? Who knows what's going to happen? So you have to understand in those types of situations with virtually no sample size that the fragility of those projections is going to be, they're going to be quite fragile. Because you're not going to know. You, you, you could guess. You could say, oh, Michael Carter-Williams is going to have to play 34, 36 minutes. No, maybe they just, maybe they split it with Chess and Randall. Maybe they're just tanking and they don't give it, they don't care. Right? Oh, Dwayne Bacon has to play, Dwayne Bacon has to play 38 minutes. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe maybe they split the center minutes three ways. Maybe they don't. Maybe Birch plays 38 minutes. Maybe he only plays 18. I mean, you'd we have no sample size to go by. So the projection team does, does their best. But without any sample size, understand that those situations, the projections will be fragile. So in those situations, you should think for GPP, take advantage of people's overconfidence when the projections are fragile. So if it just so happens today that some magic dude is super chalk on 11-game slate, consider using that as the place to get leverage. Oh, everyone thinks he's going to play 30 minutes, but maybe not. But of course, if he plays 30 minutes and smashes, then you lose, and that's it. It is what it is. It's a highly fragile situation. But a lot of times, if that's where the ownership's going and people are overconfident going, yeah, of course this guy's going to play 30 minutes. Are you sure? Are you really? Are you that sure? Are you 48% owned sure? Maybe you should be 26% owned sure, but not 48% owned sure. And then, the, then you should be doing the other situations where people think it's too much of a risk. I can't play this guy because he could only play 12 minutes and you see the ownership is 3%. You're know, like, people are overconfident that this guy's only going to play 12 minutes. Maybe he shows up and he plays 36 minutes. He's 3,200 and he puts up 48 points and you have him at 3% owned. It's risky, yeah. A lot of that, a lot of that range of outcomes is in him only playing 12 minutes and him sitting there with eight points and your lineup's going down the toilet. To me, that those are the situations that are more likely. Oh, people are too confident in them not playing the minutes. 
in those types of fragile situations where we don't, there's no sample size. So I tend to, in GPP, I tend to lean away from the ownership. Not in my whole lineup, but that would be the places where I, I look to get leverage. Lucas Yonetsko asks about uh, MLB cash games. Yeah, don't worry about stacking and cash games. Just play the best value. Stacking and GPPs, absolutely. And if it just so happens that the best value is four guys from the same team, four batters, then so be it. Then great. Then that's what it is. Don't worry about correlation much in, in cash games. Correlation increases the variance of your lineups. In cash games, you don't get anything for coming in first in a double up. Anything more than you come in right at the cash line. So you don't care. You don't, you truthfully, you want to lower your variance. You don't want to increase the variance of your lineups. You want to lower it. So if anything, if, 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 uh, if the five best values are all from the same team, you would more even in cash, maybe consider not in playing all of them. Because if that team does bad, then you, the whole lineup does bad. That's not necessarily good for cash games. But if they're good values, just, just play, just play the, be- the, the best lineup with the jam in the most projection and then you're good. That's what you should be doing for cash games, regardless of correlation, regardless of anything else. Uh, Lee Palm has a follow-up to his question before about that constant thing. Oh, it says it has to do with shifting some weight from pitchers to hitters. He would use a constant. I could see that. I mean, the pitchers are naturally going to have higher weight because they score more points on average than the hitter stacks. But the hitter stacks obviously have the way higher variance. So I could see that. We may have that in the lineup HQ soon, as it is. Where you could weight pitchers and hitters like that. But yeah, I, I, I understand the perspective. It's something you don't have to do it. But if you have a pitcher that's projecting for like 26 points at 11K. I mean, that's going to be such a better projection than any hitter. A 6K hitter is not going to have, rarely going to have a 12-point median projection, 13-point median projection. So you're going to see a lot of lineups where it's jamming in that 11K pitcher. You know what you do to counteract that? You just, you know, cap your exposure to them, to that pitcher. And you're done. Or up your exposure to stacks that, that fit together without that pitcher. I don't think you necessarily need to have a pitcher slash hitter weight like that. You don't need to. You could accomplish the same thing. Anything you could do, you could do anything in lineup HQ. It's just a matter of which settings do you use in order to accomplish that. There are probably multiple ways to do that. But yes, I could I could understand I can understand the reasoning behind it. Yes. Rob F says, I could be wrong, but I've noticed that if a player scores in their lower range of outcomes one game, they are more likely to score between their median and higher range of outcomes the next game. That would probably be confirmation bias. Have you back-tested that? Have you n- noticing something? Noticing is horrible. Is, is, that's a horrible methodology. That, that just introduces bias. Oh, I know it because you, you, it's confirmation bias. You notice when it happens and you don't notice that 18 other times it doesn't happen. So do you know the best way to do that? Take all the basketball games for the past five years, every single one of them, and find and look at the delta between the players one game to the next game, and then one game to the next game, and then one game to the next game, and look at all those deltas. And look and look for those instances when they score their lower range in one game and and then plot that, plot that out. Most likely. Most likely, it's the, it, it's going to have no correlation. I'm going to guess. That's what I would guess. And if there is a correlation, it's very it's extremely weak. But maybe it's not. Maybe maybe you're onto something, Rob. Maybe you're on. But you, that's that's the way to backtest that. Not just like I just noticed. Oh, right. Wiggins did badly. Then the next day, Wiggins does well. Well, right. And Ubre did great, and then Ubre did badly. Right. I noticed that. Uh, yeah, that one. You have to you have to test that out. The large sample size. I, I I'm I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm probably ninety nine percent sure that the predictive ability of that is going to be nearly zero. Uh, 
That's that's just my opinion. I don't know. I haven't run. I, I I'm going to guess based on my experience, based on how, what that set would look like, and what the correlation between two games are, because the correlation between performance and two games is weak as it is. So for that to be true, it's going to be even weaker than that. So most likely, if you did run that test, it's not going to matter. But feel free to do so. But that's 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 what you would do. Joe Stroop, with NBA news coming so soon before lock, how can you review all the GPP lineups before submitting? Do you just get lineups in there and then review in late swap? Yeah, sometimes. Well, that's why I use a tool like Lineup HQ. If you're building 100 lineups, like you CSV upload. I could jam P. I, I, I could rebuild lineups in Lineup HQ. I could switch a guy, you know, oh, this guy, the three minutes before lock. Up. Giannis is out jamming all the Middleton and Holiday and whoever, Portis. I could get that in. I could just ding, 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 run it, upload it. I'm good. But if there's just anything after that, if it's three minutes to like if it's that quickly, I'll worry about everything else later. But if it's like a half an hour before luck, no, I could. that's easy. I'm not going lineup by lineup. Obviously, if I only have five lineups, I could I could do that lineup by lineup. Doing a hundred, you just that's what the tool is for. Going through the YouTube chat. Right. Alex Santi says you could go a year or two without winning a large field GPP despite playing. Well, yeah. Like playing every day and playing 150 lineups every day. Well, if you're playing 150 lineups and you haven't won one in two years, you're probably not, you're probably broke. You're gonna, I mean, because you're gonna have to. You're gonna, if you're playing 150 lineups every day, you're gonna have to like win two a year just to break even. Let alone, let alone make money. Doesn't mean you have to play 150 lineups. Going through the YouTube chat. Going through the YouTube chat. Hit that thumbs up on thummy thumbs for the apple juice. That is no longer an ice cube. It's no longer an ice cube. It's fine. Should I be putting things that far back in the refrigerator? Should I be figuring that out? Why things are that cold? The ice thing over the, I don't know. I don't know how it works. It's magic. It's the magic cold box. Open it up and things are cold. Okay. That's all I care about. I don't need to know the science behind it. Uh, Unicorn love. This question is probably dumb. Most questions are. But how much of winning an NBA large contest is luck? What percent? What that you're you're phrasing it wrong. If you rolled a 500 sided die, and you guessed 82, and it came up 82, is that luck? Of course it's luck. What skill is there into into picking a, the roll of a die? None. The skill is finding the die that is 500. 500 decided that will pay you 5,000 to one. That's the skill. Winning a large contest on one specific night involves insane amount of luck. It's mostly, probably mostly luck. 90% of it is luck. Being a profitable DFS player over the course of a year, playing those large field contests every day, that's skill. Look at one poker hand. I don't, I get dealt a hand and I have a set. This guy has a flush draw and there's a four to one chance to beat me, right? On the fly and on the, on the turn. There's nine cards that I lose to. That's like, if I lose that hand, it's because it's that one hand. Like, how do I control that? Does the heart come out or not? I don't control that. All I could control is that, am I giving him the wrong odds to, to get that heart? Of course, you get a heart that pairs the board if I have a set, right? So there's really, there's what, eight outs, seven outs maybe, right? There's two other cards on the board. So if he calls a, an eight to one bet to, to, you know, to hit a five to one shot, then, you know, he should have called right there. If I give him a two to one bet, for a five to one shot, then he shouldn't have called. And he got lucky, quote unquote. He got lucky. 
but that's a plus EV bet on my part. So like my all, all I need to do is just keep on playing and making plus EV decisions on a specific slate. That's kind of lucky, just whatever. Over the course of 365 days, the skillful players will have the money. The larger the sample size gets, so you can't say that it's all luck when the same when you at the end of the year the same people are profitable every year. They go, oh, this guy won three times, this guy won twice, this guy won the Millie Maker. What like, yeah, in one slate, anything could happen. Over the course of a three-year period, skillful people will win profit over that period. And less skillful player people will not. DJA dog, what garbage stacks are we rolling for on opening day? I don't know. I don't even know who's playing. I don't even know who's on what team yet. I don't even look at that until like the day before. Right? I don't even know. I know Eloy Jimenez is probably out for God knows how long. That's why I saw that in like Twitter time. The White Sox. I don't even know. Nolan Arenado, he's on the Cardinals now, right? I think. This is what I mean. I don't even pay attention, right? Like just like NFL football. People will be asking me in like August or the end of July about, you know, what are you doing for the NFL? Or what, I, I don't even know who's on what team until like the week before the first slate. Like, I don't care because I just play. I, I, I do this for DFS. I don't do it because I like sports. I don't mind sports. I'll follow soccer. But like if there's no slates, like when baseball ended, when, when basketball ends in May, if I'm not playing DFS playoff basketball, like basketball doesn't exist to me until October. And the way, oh, this guy went from this team to that team. I, I, don't, I don't know. I'll know. I'll know the day before the first slate. Oh, that guy's on that team now. Like, doesn't matter to me. Joe Wheeler, can you talk about your process in evaluating which players will perform greater than one plus standard deviations above the mean? I, who knows? No one knows which player will, Joe. That's what smash percentage is. That's what a projection is. Will, you're using the wrong terminology, will. I do not know what will happen. You don't know what will happen. Don't concern yourself about what will happen. I have literally, literally no concern about what will happen on tonight's slate. Literally none. I've never thought about what will James Harden do tonight. No care in the world. I care about if we played this slate out 1 million times, what stands to profit the most? Whether or not whatever outcome happens, it's out of my control. I don't care. So James Harden has a 63-point median projection right now. Here's a floor of 46, a ceiling of 82. You know how big of a gap that is? That's ridiculous, right? That's one standard deviation. Right? He could score 82, he could score 46, and that would still be within one standard deviation. What will he do tonight? The answer is, I do not care. All I need to know is this is his projection. Is he going to score 48? Is he going to score 80? It's within that big bulk of 68% of outcomes, sure. Is this type of player good in a lineup with other players? Like, that's all, that's all that matters. His median 63. He's going to score 63 points at least 50% of the time. Well, is that going to be tonight? I don't know. Why are you even thinking about it? Wouldn't you rather play a guy that scores 63 points 50% of the time while another guy pl- scores 58%, uh, 58 points 50% of the time? That's like five points higher. So Harden will outscore Jokic more times. Not absurd amount of times. Look at Jokic, 40 to 75. So if Harden scores 42, 48, and Jokic scores 73, that's within the one standard deviation. That's not, that's within acceptable range of outcomes. Margin of error. What's going to happen tonight? I do not care. You, do you want to become a good DFS player? You have to get into the mindset of you're not predicting outcomes. I've no, I'm not making any decisions based on what's going to happen tonight. 
because I don't know what's going to happen tonight. All I know is that if we played this out a thousand times, Harden will beat out Jokic. Looks like uh, maybe 58% of the time. Something like that. Jokic, 42% of the time, Jokic beats out Harden. Now, what's that ownership? If we look at, if Harden was 80% owned, I'm just typing these in, and Jokic was 10% owned. If I'm playing GPPs in a vacuum, not considering the rest of my lineup or anything else or the contest or nothing. If I, if Jokic is going to beat Harden 40% of the time, then why, why is there such a gap between eight to one ownership wise? You gain more relative value playing Jokic now. If the ownership was, let's say, 55 and 45, now that's that's about accurate, right? If he just had to choose between those two, be like, well, Jokic is going to beat Harden like 40-something percent. Yeah, about the same as his ownership. So which one should you pick, Harden or Jokic? doesn't matter. At these ownerships, they're efficient. Now, let's say Jokic was 60% and Harden was 40%. This is Obviously, I'm not taking into account positional scarcity or anything with the rest of your lineup. If Jokic was more owned than Harden and Harden projects better, you should be jamming in Harden, not even caring about Jokic. Right? At this ownership. So do you see my decision changes based on what other people are going to do in relation to how the players are projected, assuming that my model is good. I trust the model and the story. So the model says that Harden's going to beat out Jokic meeting-wise by about four and a half points. Well, how often does it look? Smash, 41 to 35. 6% difference. So if the ownership was more like 55-45, this would be like efficient between the two of them. Between the two of them. Obviously, this is not taking into account anyone else. I'm really narrowing it down so you understand the concept. So if it was like this, it wouldn't matter. Then if you had to choose, if you had a utility spot and everything else in the lineup was the same or anything like that, I'll tell you, you know what I'd say? Play whoever you want. So that's about efficient based on the projection. If you see 80-10, something like that, I'd say, geez, at that difference in ownership, you should be playing Jokic. Yeah, but Harden projects for four and a half points more. Yeah, but not. it shouldn't be an eight-to-one difference in ownership. If Jokic is going to, if Jokic is going to smash just 6% less, and he's going to outscore Harden like 40% of the time, like, you play Jokic. Tonight, and then you do that. And tonight, Harden puts up 80, Jokic puts up 50, and then you look at me and you go, what are you, an idiot? Go, no. That's what happened tonight. Play this out a thousand times. You're going to, playing Jokic is going to be positive expected value. It's not going to be the most probable. We see in the projections, Harden has a four and a half point higher projection. 55%, 58% of the time, Harden outscores Jokic, and that's what happened. That's not crazy, but I gain I gain more money. I make more money when Jokic outscores Harden because of so fewer people playing Jokic versus Harden in this scenario. And now we put it to 55-45, and that's a that's about efficient. Harden will win at this matchup about that, that ratio. Versus how many other people have them. At that point, play whoever you want. Well, who do you think is going to do better now? They're both equal. Do you think Jokic is going to do well against New Orleans? Do you think? No, I don't think anything about tonight's slate. All I care about is the math. So that's why it's ownership. That's why we talk in the pregame show in the mornings. We don't have ownership. That's like one huge variable that we don't have. That's why it's hard to break down strategy on the slate. I mean, I can't, I can't even, I can't even get rid of it now. Why can't I get rid of it? I can't delete it. Baseball, we may have, well, baseball, we probably won't even have ownership in the morning either. Except for the early slates, maybe. But that's the concept you should be looking at. That's what expected value is. You're, 
maximizing for the amount of money you can make over the long term, not what's going to happen tonight. Your goal is to just make plus EV decisions over and over and over and over again. In that poker game, the guy is going to make a five to one call and you gave him like you bet the pot, you gave him a, a two to one call. The more and more he makes that call, the more and more money he loses and the more and more money that you win. Does the heart come out on that specific hand? Who cares? If your opponent's going to consistently call without odds and you're going to get them the call without odds, that's plus EV for you. Just keep on doing that. If he hits the, if he hits the flush now and you lose the pot, oh, well, you're going to lose. You're going to lose 20% of the time. That's normal. You're going to win 80% of the time. If it's consistently going to do that, if your opponent's going to make that mistake over and over again, and you're going to be able to get him to make that mistake over and over again, then why? It's, it's a money printer. But don't worry about this, this hand, this poker hand. Who cares about this one poker hand? You're going to be playing 30 hands an hour, 40 hands an hour. You're online, you're playing 100 hands an hour. You're going to be playing for eight hours today. You're going to be playing for a month. You're going to be playing for three years. Just keep on making plus EV decisions. Same thing in DFS. Who cares about what happens in one slate? Is there a slate tomorrow? Is DFS, is DFS going away tomorrow? You play tomorrow. And the next day. And the next day. And the next day. And the next day. Playing two slates on a day. You're playing multiple sports. You're playing multiple sites. Over that large sample size, just keep on making plus EV decisions and you'll be you'll you'll be profitable. Don't get hung up on one what happened today. Who cares? Anything can happen today. The world could blow up today, right? An asteroid could hit today. Who knows? So you have to have that long-term, long-term mindset. What's gonna happen today? Who cares? How do I make good decisions in the long run? Over and over and over again. And you, you sometimes you don't make good decisions. Right? You make more good decisions than bad decisions. Ronald Coley asks, what blender, what advice would you give to someone who gets upset about their lineups and losing in DFS? I have a friend that says because they rostered a player, that's the reason they perform poorly. There's nothing you could do because those people are hopeless. Because what obviously, obviously the player doesn't know that you rostered them. You can't think like that. You can't think like superstitions. You can't, you have to think logically. What advice? There's no advice. That Those are the people you make money from. Until you get out of that type of mindset, I don't know, I don't know how you play well. I don't, I don't see how you could play objectively well like that. So what, what's the advice? Don't get upset. Take a statistics class. Understand what variance is. If you, if you, if you if, if you don't understand just basic statistics and probability, oh, I can't believe this thing happened. It was a 22% chance of happening. Can't believe a 22% chance thing of happening. That's what I mean. Like you, if you, you have no sense of what probability is, how do you do well in a game that's entirely based around probabilities? So that would be my advice. But that's that's those are the type of people we make money off of. That's a bulk of the people that play DFS. Right, Fittest Gamers asks, what amount do you play on cash and GPP? I share, I share my bankroll tracker, my public one. I've been playing like 4,000 in cash right now because I play 10% of whatever this is. I've been doing that in baseball as well. I don't know if it matters what I do, but I do, I'm transparent. I I eat my own dog food. I do. I, I'm telling you exactly what I do. Yet people don't do it. I don't know why. And the amount of money that you play is different than the amount of money that I play. You're not asking the right questions. Because people ask the 80-20, right? Do you play 80% in cash and 20% in GPP? Well, not if you're a bad cash player. If, you, if you're losing money in cash games, don't play 80%. Don't play 0%. Play nothing. How much should you play in GPPs if you're a losing player? Zero. You should actually quit playing. That would be the most profitable move to not play. So to ask what I do doesn't mean anything. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. How many double ups versus head to heads versus, well, who are you getting head to heads from? What's your skill level? What's their skill level? 
me playing one hundred and nine dollar two hundred fifteen head to heads in soccer is different than you playing two hundred fifteen dollar head to heads in baseball against the best against mock lovers. Maybe you shouldn't be doing that. I take a look at my, at my cash game stuff, and a lot of people will look and they go, you know, on some slates they'll go, "You made it. You got a seventy three percent return, while I only got a fourteen percent return. How was that possible?" like good contest selection i don't know yeah well i took some head-to-heads against well there you go that, that's how you lost that, that money i made more money by better contest selection and a better lineup right <laughs> or a better lineup or a better everything i have a long-term track record five and a half years of playing i have a better sense of what my edge is in contests and i adjust my 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 allocation based on that so you have to know yours. So I, what I do doesn't matter. What does it matter what I do? If you had said, if you never played soccer DFS before, remember, that's the game that I started with. Never played soccer DFS before. And you said, I'm going to start playing soccer DFS cash games. How much bankroll should I, I would tell you to play none, zero. That's one of the sharpest lobbies. It's like, oh, but you, pl- you play. Yeah. Well, I'm one of the sharpest players in the lobby. <laughs> you're to look at my cash lineup and go, you know, why'd you, why'd you pick these five players? And you're going to look at other, Saramac and all those guys, and we're going to have very similar players. Should you be playing 80% of cash in soccer deals? No, you shouldn't, because you're not skillful enough. You're just going to lose money. I can, because I can play it skillfully. So your skill matters. Your, the difference between your skill and your opponent's skill matters in all of that. That's what the Kelly criterion is. How much edge do you have? If you can't answer that question, then what? The, what? How could you figure out what allocation it is? If you're a losing player, there's no allocation that'll that'll stop that'll make you profitable. The answer would be zero. If you're a losing player, should I play eighty percent cash, twenty percent GPP? No, you should play zero percent cash and zero percent GPP. You should delete the DraftKings app. You should withdraw, you self-exclude and go on with the rest of your life. That would be the most profitable move. So there's nothing that you can do. And like, obviously, if, you can, if you're learning, you got to lose in order to learn, right? You're going to play something. You want to get better and be profitable. But the ultimate answer is that if you're a losing player, your allocation should be zero. If you're a 1% ROI player in certain things and certain contests, well, then X amount of bankroll you should risk. That's, that's what the Kelly formula is. Kind of hard in DFS because it's kind of hard to quantify your edge, especially slate to slate, sport to sport even. But it all depends on your skill relative to your opponents. Ivan Clash says, you playing tonight? Yeah. Seems like the 11 game slates are super difficult. But then again, my statistical knowledge isn't to your level. You don't need statistical knowledge. I love big slates. Because other people, there's so many more mistakes for other people to make. And there's so many more opportunities for leverage on an 11-game slate. So what's so difficult? Ivan, subscribe to Roto Grinders. Get Roto Grinders Premium. Click on the link in the description. Get $10 off your first month and use our projections. You're done. What type of knowledge do you need? It's all the work's done for you. Get all the projections. Build good lineups. You're done. And then while you're at it, go to theoryofdfs.com. All these all these concepts I talk about are in are in are in my course. 15 hours long. It's nice structured education. So not just me just answering questions. But for 15 hours. I go through everything, game objectives, player selection, expected value, leverage, correlation, construction, risk management, exploits, psychology. You can see the table of contents here. Got a ton of, ton of positive testimonials. Me and James McCool go through everything. Multiple people, uh, tons of people have listened to it multiple times because that's what, that's how I built it. That's more of a reference guide. It's like a seminar. Listen to it. Then you come back to it a month from now and go, oh, let me, re- I'm going to, I'm going to re- re-listen to the leverage section. Or you're going to hear something on this show and you go, yeah, I remember he talked about that in chapter eight. Let me go back to that and let me listen to that. It's like a reference guide. So feel free. Go to 
theoryofdfs.com, how to think like a professional DFS player. Pick that up. That's that's what it that's what it all is. It's a game. It's a math game. It's a statistics and probability based game. It's not a game of sports. Sports just happen to be the pieces that we play with. So learn how to play the game better and beat other people at the game rather than trying to predict the future. So click on that link. We got Eli, Eli in the chat posting those. For a nice casual Friday, casual Friday. It's been casual. Apple juice, a little, little, little lukewarm. Hit those thumbs up buttons, the thummy thumbs on your way out the door. Hit that thummy thumbs. Keep on going. Next week, we'll still, we still have basketball next week, but then we got some baseball. Got some, take me out to the ball game. Take, take me away from NBA DFS during silly season, right? Because then we're going to have the tanking teams and everything. It's going to be nuts, right? If you thought, yeah, who's sitting, who's not sitting, I'm done. Give me baseball. Give me baseball back and we'll be fine. I don't, I don't even mind if I'm losing to baseball. At least I don't have to deal with like, like I, how do I swap 74 times in the span of three hours with NBA? But I mean, you have to do it. You have to sit around your computer. So I'm looking forward to baseball. Looking forward to next week. We've got a lot of baseball content. We all, we're going to have a lot of stuff on YouTube. So uh, if you're new here, click the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. we got Grinders live tonight for this 11-game slate. we got crunch time for premium members, so check that out. And I'll see you back again, like, like, like always, on 11 o'clock Eastern, right here for the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.